I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the files of the AYR, yaoihunters.com. Documented Yowie witness reports first began around Sydney and Canberra in the early stages of the 1800s. With a vague presumption, Australia may have its own indigenous primate. Reported sightings gradually crept south to Batemans Bay, Naruma, with Bega and Bombala soon hitting the headlines. The first true documented sighting of the Yowie was in 1825 at Sugarloaf Mountain, or today known as Mount Sugarloaf, west of Newcastle. By the 1870s, reports in northern New South Wales emerged in the Lismore Northern Star of yet more suspected gorilla sightings. Across the border to Queensland, however, the sightings weren't quite as liberal. One of the earliest Queensland reports came in 1934, as far north as Cairns. The southeast Queensland reports really didn't gain momentum until the early to mid-1970s, which is ironic considering how plentiful the reports were for the past 100 years just over the border. As I've highlighted before, one of the first references in southeast Queensland was by Bernard O'Reilly in his 1942 book, Green Mountains. From 1973 to 1978, the southeast corner began to be heard. Or at least perhaps Yowie witnesses were prepared to be heard. Soon after, in the latter half of the 1970s, Springbrook gained national attention. Moving north and bypassing today's most notorious locations, we can find corridors linking past and present sightings. With the expansion of suburbia, the landscape at Slacks Creek, for example, would have dramatically changed since the 1970s. But it doesn't disqualify other routes and alternatives in terms of bushland corridors. Especially if you're travelling in the dead of night and resembling a human form. Older reports are just as important as the current day. Without them, we wouldn't have the knowledge and database or a better platform and understanding that we do now. And it's here. I'll tease straight off into the report. As I say, welcome to Birkdale. I didn't know what to tell anyone because these things that I've seen, they shouldn't exist and they don't look like any other animal I've ever seen. This was about 1990 in a place called Birkdale in southeast uh, Queensland. We were a rugby league family, and so it was footy in the winter and golf in the summertime. It was just a normal day, and we are going to play uh, golf with the father and a few of his mates. 
place was on Old Cleveland Road, east in the bushland at the end of Creek Road at a place called Houston Golf Course. So we got out of bed for sunrise, got dressed to the golf club. It was 1990, so I would have been about 10 years of age. As children and teenagers in southeast Brisbane, as we would go golf balling. And if anyone's not familiar with golf balling, it would mean entering a golf course and looking for lost golf balls. And at the end of the day, if you got a bucket of golf balls, you could make some cash and you could go and buy some fish and chips or soft drink or whatever. Father's teed off, his mates are teed off. I'm off and gone. I couldn't find any golf balls. I think I picked two up in two hours, which ain't very good. Walking around, I'm looking in the dams, I'm looking in the creek, and I just started getting this feeling that something wasn't quite right. It was with me most of the morning, and I'm thinking something's going to happen today, and this is going to be the day we strike at Richard Golf Balls. But two hours into it, check all the fairways, the big dams. wasn't going good. And I'm walking along and I thought, all right, this is the last spot. If there are going to be any golf balls today, they're going to be at the – it's a dog leg uh, par five. So where you tee off, if you're strong enough with the drive, you can drive it up over the gum trees and land it on the fairway. You can save yourself one hit with the ball. So there's always golf balls in there. So I left that to last, walking along the fence, and I'm walking in there and I could see a couple. So I've decided, all right, I'm going in here. This is uh, like a pine forest. And this pine forest it had a canopy at that time of the year. It wasn't too much light getting through. So I've jumped in there, although I've been told by my father never go into that part of the bush. And he, he didn't say why. And he said, oh, there'd been bad things happening in that bush. It was an old abandoned farmhouse or something that made the news and there's some bad stuff happen. I remember seeing that house. You had to go right in the bush to find it. But I knew if I kept away from there and I kept near the boundary, I'd be right. So I disobeyed my father and I've jumped the fence and gone in there and I couldn't believe it. There's golf balls everywhere. So I'm walking along. I'm looking at the ground. All right, there's another golf ball. There's another one. And I'm just sweeping the grass and I'm picking up golf balls. And I've got my pockets full of golf balls. And today's it's starting to feel like a really good day. I know I'm going to make some pocket money today. And I'm getting pretty excited and my pockets are full, so I'm, I'm starting to use my shirt now. I'm loading all these golf balls up into my shirt. And so, you beauty. And I'm thinking, yep, this is the day. All I've got to do now is when this T-shirt's full, I'm going to make it back to the 19th, back to the clubhouse, and I'm going to pick the first drunk golfer I see and I'm going to offer all these golf balls. I've gone further and further into the bush, not knowing how far I went away from the boundary fence, walking along, and I'm looking at the ground, and I've come across this um, game trail, and I've noticed that, okay, the golf ball's landed perfectly on this game trail. And I think, all right, and I've picked that one up, and I've walked another few metres, and there's another one on the game trail. And I'm thinking, oh, that's unusual. And I had a look at it. There's no dust or anything on these golf balls. They they look like they've been out of the water, and they look like they've been polished or washed. And I'm thinking, something's not right here. And I'm walking along. And I look up, and I could see this big log. It looked like an old burnt log. And it was across the path, and I was about probably 20 metres from that that I had to look up. Otherwise, I'd trip over that log. 
and just to the right of that log, there was a stump. There was a stump there about three foot high, and it looked like that that was the tree. It had burnt out. Fires had gone through there. I'm just thinking something's not right here. I can feel like my sixth sense is it's going overboard. I'm thinking this is not right. This is too good to be true. Why are all these golf balls here? And then and then it hit me. Someone had placed them on the trail. I'm thinking, what the hell is going on here? They had no dirt on them. They hadn't been rained on. They looked like they'd been in someone's pocket. And I'm picking them up and I'm getting closer and closer to this log. And, yeah, I just I just couldn't believe what happened next. <laughs> Jesus Christ, this, this sound that I heard, I can't describe it. This sound, bloody hell. It sounded like something was above the tops of the trees. And say you just dropped a big telephone pole through the trees and it made a big crash through the trees. That's what I heard. And I went, shit, what's that? I didn't look up because I was picking up all these golf balls and now I'm starting to get the shits because each time I bent down to pick up a golf ball, two golf balls would fall out of my shirt each side. So I was having to pick up three golf balls at a time. I was overloaded, pockets full, T-shirts full. And I couldn't hold on to it, but there was that many there, and they're on the trail. I walked about 100 metres into the bush, and this bush is creepy at the best of times. I'd heard this big noise, and I still hadn't looked up. Kind of like the feeling something's watching you. And another few metres, and I could see the log in my peripheral vision, so I've got to look up the step over this log soon. And then I heard the whoosh again. It was a big whoosh sound. It sounded like... Someone picking up a power pole, swinging it through the tops of the gum trees and making a big clang and bash sound. I heard it again, and this time I shit myself. I looked straight up, and I was looking at the top of the tree. The tops of the branches are going back, forwards, back, forwards. I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, geez, that's not right. What's happening here? The leaves aren't even moving on the other trees. I'm thinking... This mature gum tree that's dead is rocking backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. Oh, Jesus Christ. What what was at the bottom of that tree? Well, now I know why the tree was rocking backwards and forwards. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I'm trying to get a point of reference to what the hell this thing is. What animal is it? It's definitely on its back legs. I can't see its front legs. And it's about 12 to 15 metres away from me. To the left, it has to be every part of eight foot tall. It's making this funny grunting sound and it's rocking the hell out of this tree. It's whipping it backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. This gum tree had a fork in it. It was a couple of metres above that and I could see another log wedged in that fork. It's an actual log, almost the size of a, um, a power pole. It had it in its hands because I could see its elbows out to the side definitely had hold of this big log and I was trying to wedge it into this fork of the tree. power this thing had, it was frightening, absolutely frightening. Like the back on this thing had to be four foot wide and you could clearly see the muscles on its back. Each time it thrusted it forward, it was making a grunting sound. You'd see its lats. Its lats had to be about two foot wide each side of its back and it was thrusting this tree it is hair from the top of its head all the way to the bottom. It's got to be a bear because I'm trying to get a point of reference and this is a big hairy thing. It's dark brown. Its hairs are about two, two and a half inches long all over its body. It's dark brown. 
his arms that had this longer hair. This hair had to be probably eight inches long. And as it was rocking this tree backwards and forwards, through the canopy, you could get a bit of light through. And when it was hitting its hairs, like it had this long hair, almost looked like it had brushed its hair on its arm. Um, I could see that it was glowing this red colour in the light. Can't see any wheels between its legs. So it wasn't, it wasn't male. It doesn't know I'm there. I'm about 15 metres directly behind it. It's got its back to me. And it's whooping this tree backwards and forwards, and it's making making a sound that sounds like um, you're disappointed, like you you take over doing a project and you're trying to show your mate how it's done, and you're getting it wrong, and they're laughing. You're making disappointed sounds. This thing was making the exact same sound, like it was disappointed in what it was doing, and it couldn't quite do it. And I was getting angrier, and I was getting louder, and I was really forcing this log into the tree almost snapping the tree over the the tops of the branches were whipping that much it was nearly breaking limbs off the top of the tree and i'm thinking geez this thing doesn't know i'm here i don't know what this thing is but it's huge bad feeling it's like i'm in danger here no i've got to get the hell out of here and it doesn't know i'm here so i'm gonna have to tiptoe out because if that thing turns around i'm convinced whatever it is is going to charge me here I am standing there, absolutely loaded up with golf balls. So I'm looking down this game trail. There's old Big Red there, whooping the tree on the left of the trail. And to the right of me, I couldn't believe what I've seen next. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I wasn't looking at a tree stump in the ground. There was another one of those buggers. And he was three foot high and it was the same color as the big one, and I was thinking, oh, shit, that's the baby. That's the baby or whatever that one is. And here I am, I'm nearly between the baby and the big one, and I'm thinking, this ain't good. And this bloody little thing, he's got to be no more than three foot tall. It's got a big buff head on it, same colour as the, what I assume was the mum, and almost looked like it was just being born because it was looking at me. And I think, oh, no, this thing's caught me. It's caught me out. It's watched me come up the trail. It's watched me look at its mum. And it's been standing there the whole time, which I thought was a tree stump, and it's not. And here's me. It has to be about no more than two metres away from me. There's a big log in between me. I'm standing on the nature trail up against the log. I'm looking at this thing. It's on the other side of the log, and it's looking straight at me. I think, oh, I'm done here. If this thing squeals, or takes off or makes a noise, whatever that big thing is, it's going to turn around. And if you know anything about nature, 
whatever that animal is, that's not good. I'm trying to look through the hair of this little one. I'm thinking, what is it? I can't see its face. I can't see its skin. And I'm looking at its eye sockets. Its eye sockets were massive, absolutely massive. If you clench your fist about that size, that's how big its eye sockets were. I'm trying to look into its eyes and I can't see its eyes. I can't see any eyes in its skull. It's got these big brow ridges and these big round black eye sockets and its its eyes must have been reset back into its head more. If you've ever had a cat before and they have kittens and when you pick them up when they're a couple of days old, their eyes aren't open yet, that's what it looked like. But I couldn't see eyelids or anything. The hair in its eye sockets was almost dark charcoal, almost jet black. It was a different colour to the rest of its body and the rest of its body was um, a slightly shinier look when a calf's born, it's slightly glossier than its mother, and they're like that for a few weeks. I've been thinking about it for decades now. It's like, this thing must have just given birth, and I'm looking at the little one. It's looking at me. It's not moving. It did not move the whole time till the end, and I'm looking. I'm looking at the big one, and it doesn't know I'm there. It's still whooping the hell out of the tree, and I'm still that close to the big one. I can see the what looked like straw. It was woven into its matty-looking ratty hair on its back. I could see the straw, and the straw had been in its back for quite a while. So whatever these things are, they do sleep on a, a litter bed where they've got grass and straw and that, or it's just been camping out in the grass. It's definitely been on its back, and it's been on its back for a while. And I'm looking at this little thing looking at me. I'm looking at the big one. I'm looking at the little one. And this little one, it's just staring at me. I'm in danger here. Now the heart rate started to pick up. Big one still hasn't turned around. I'm thinking, if this thing makes a noise or it steps on a stick or it turns and runs, the big one's going to look and it's going to see me and it's going to be over very quickly. So the plan was I was going to turn around and I'm going to walk slowly, keeping my eye on the little one. And when I got far away as I could, I was going to drop the golf balls and sprint and try and get through the barbed wire fence down there. It's my only way I was going to get out of there. This thing is looking at me like it's reading my mind. It didn't show any fear. It didn't show any negative body language. It was very inquisitive to what the hell I was, and it was probably the same expression that I was looking at it. Big one still whooping away at the tree, grunting. I went to move, and I realised I couldn't move my feet. I'm standing there, I've got two hands on my T-shirt, loaded with golf balls, and I've gone to turn, and I could turn my head and my torso. I'm looking straight into it where its eyes should be, and I'm thinking this thing doesn't have any eyes. And the head did not match the body. The head was a big bull head. It looked like a giant-sized head on a little kid, and it had reasonable shoulders, and I couldn't see its hands, its feet, or anything. It looked like Cousin It. It looked nothing like human. And it looked nothing like an ape. I'm frozen. I tried to turn and run. I can't run. Things are starting to slow down. I'm trying to move, and I can't move. And I'm looking at the scene, and it's looking at me. We're nearly like eye to eye. I'm about probably four foot tall. It was three foot tall, two metres away from it. It's a bit like that old saying, don't look at Medusa. If you look at Medusa, she'll turn you to stone. And this is exactly what happened. And I couldn't move. This was going on for a good minute. The only thing I could move was my eyes. I'm looking at the big one. I'm looking back at this little one. I don't know what happened. I just froze up. And now it's getting real spooky. There's no word for it. 
that was um, that was the most frightening feeling that come over me. It's like this little thing was reading my mind, and in my mind, I'm picturing the escape, and I'm picturing myself getting over the fence, and I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to run here, and I'm going to count down. I go three, two, one, and I went to go. Couldn't move. I couldn't move. I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm done here. If this little one squeals or it runs off, big one's going to be alerted and it's going to be over. So I tried it again. I count down from three, three, two, one. This little thing, in one motion, it started to squat down and it was hiding. It took a good minute to go from standing up and it slowly lowered itself. It almost looked like it was on a scissor lift. It went down that slow and that smooth. It squatted down almost to like a crab position behind the log. He looked like a little kid squatting down on his knees. He's kneeling down and he's looking at me. He didn't take his eyes off me and his head's like 90 degrees swung around. I can just see the top of its snout and its eyes and it's peering at me from over this log. Gone to move and I'm freed up now. I can I can move. It's like it was reading my mind that I was going to run and I wasn't a threat. I've counted the three again. <laughs> I've gone one, two, and the idea was to be as quiet as to get away from these things, and I don't know what came over me. I think it was just instinct. I let out this biggest squealy scream a 10-year-old kid could do, and in the one motion, I let my shirt rip. I flung all these golf balls. It would have hit this little one. It would have bounced off all the log. I don't know. The big one might have turned around, but I didn't look back. And I was screaming. I was out of there. Went straight to a full sprint. I was off and gone. My knees were coming up near my chest. I had those legs pumping and I was gone. And I didn't do it quietly. I screamed the whole way. I was that frightened. I could just sense that this big thing was 10 metres off me and it was chasing me out of there. About 10 metres from the fence. One of the bottom strands were missing on the left. Straight for that part. I dove. I got halfway under it. I got up. I didn't touch the barbed wire fence. Running out on that fairway, uh, tears were flowing. I was squealing like a stuck pig. And it was that frightening. And I run straight to the nearest golfers. And I couldn't believe me luck. It was my father and his two mates. And I'm saying, you got to look, you got to look. They leave me there. I'm standing there in the middle of the, near the tee off with the caddies. And they've gone into the bush to look for this thing. And I'm thinking, oh, no. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm going to hear yelling, I'm going to hear this, I'm going to hear that. And they've gone down that game trail right where I was pointing. And they come out seven minutes later. Those several minutes felt like a half an hour. They come out. You see it? And they say, oh, we've seen nothing. I said, did you pick up all the golf balls? They said, no, didn't see any golf balls either. And I'm like, what? I'll never forget that day. After listening to channels like this one and... And they tell the same story of the same same type of thing. The thickness of the muscle, absolutely huge. Like it looked bigger than a bull, say a full-grown bull. It was wider than that in its shoulders. It just had slightly longer hair on top. Once it, the hair got past its shoulders, it went to a um, like a curly, matty, unkept, shaggy type of hair, about two and a half inches long. It was unkept. It looked like a curly poodle. When it pushed forward, because I was behind it, about 15 metres away, and it had its back to me, and when it thrust the slog into the tree, 
I could watch its muscles from its backside, and I'd watch its backside tense up, and the ripple would go from its backside right the way up to the top, and it'd wobble. All the muscles were wobbling, and it'd tense up, and then it'd relax, and it'd tense up again. I was watching the muscles contract. The muscles on its back look everything like what human muscles do. Like you picture something like uh, Mr. Olympia or something like that. Those guys that have been doing weighted chin-ups for two decades, three decades. So like they had the lats that those guys have. That's what this thing had, but it was four foot wide, not two foot wide. It didn't have a conad or anything, but it was a slight point where the crown of its hair was up in the middle where it all parted out from that and fell down the back of its head. So it had its head was huge. Its head didn't match the, the body. The size of a it was just set into its shoulders. It was longer hair on top. It was that dark brown with a reddish tinge. I was thinking that there was only me that had that experience. And I remember the story from Brisbane Water National Park or Woi Woi or somewhere down there where they described a um, old mate fire hands that was in the dump. The description of that thing, that was pretty much for what I seen. That's the nickname I call it. I call it old mate fire hands. I've thought about this for many decades and it looked like it was showing the youngster what to do and it was getting it wrong what it was doing and it was upset with itself and it's moaning and it's groaning and it's trying to do it and it's upset with itself. And the little one wasn't paying attention and it spotted me, so it's now fixated on me. It was placing that log in the tree where when it's finished doing what it can do, it would be able to walk up that tree with ease and sit in that fork. It was making like a ladder to get up in the tree. That's what it looked like. Just its presence there was enough to make you turn to stone. There's some sort of paranormal or supernatural ability that these things have Uh, because i experienced it these things have the ability to make you freeze and i'm thinking has that happened to other hikers and that around the world it's it's paralyzing i'm so glad i didn't see that big one's face because the little one the little one was frightening enough well this one's a good channel where it's telling nothing but truth yeah hey yr just keep up the good work If you look at Medusa, she'll turn you to stone. Our witness speaks of his body being unnaturally locked frozen and only able to move his eyes. He attempted to run on several occasions, and even after several three counts, he was still paralysed until he felt the young one drop concentration and let him go. Was this a natural bodily reaction to fear, or something more? Having experienced this myself twice, and fear being the last thing on my mind, I can relate to an unnatural element to this situation. A sudden change of energy, and it wasn't just my own. The golf ball seemingly placed on the track, a fluke all by design, perhaps to lure these golf balling kids further into the woods. If anyone recalls what transpired in that abandoned farmhouse all those years ago, drop us a line and let us know. As I say, time is irrelevant. Yow encounters are memories that will stay with you forever. Thanks for listening. Hey. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 